biggest one is, you know, as coaches and managers and players, we pop into a city in September and then we leave when the season is over. And then we get fired or we move on or the player gets traded or he gets cut. But the team itself and the community itself remains. And they're the core of the, of the organization. And I think it's critical to be able to understand what the community is doing and what they're involved with and who's doing what and getting involved with them to help grow the game in the area and continue to be you know a big part of it even after you've gone some kind of a legacy so that you know the thing continues to grow and, and get better and i like to think that it, um, obviously it has i mean what an organization there now with tampa doing such a great job Hi there, welcome to the show. I'm Lucas Favalli, and this is Crunch Chronicles, presented by Wendy's. Today on the show, we catch up with a former Crunch head coach, who until the end of last season was the winningest coach in franchise history. Of course, we're referring to Gary Agnew, who spent six seasons as the Crunch's head coach. He joined the Crunch as the team's third head coach in franchise history, and he was the first head coach during the team's affiliation with the Columbus Blue Jackets starting in 2000. The Crunch posted winning records in five of his six seasons as head coach. He led the club to its first division championship in 2001-2002 and a team record 47 wins in 2005-2006. In 480 games as Crunch head coach, Agnew posted a 220, 177-33-7 record along with 43 ties. His 220 wins stood as the Crunch's record until Ben Grew clipped him at the end of the 2021-2022 season. Following his time with the Crunch, Agnew was promoted onto the Columbus Blue Jackets staff where he spent four seasons. He now enters his sixth season in the Vancouver Canucks organization, and we discuss all of that and more on this week's show. I hope you enjoy our conversation. But first, a quick word from Wendy's and Lee Baldwin and Company. Wendy's Pretzel Bacon Pub Cheeseburger is back. Dive into a bite packed with warm, savory beer cheese, applewood smoked bacon, crispy fried onions, and hot and juicy beef. All perfectly paired with a Dr. Pepper at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time. Dr. Pepper is a registered trademark of Dr. Pepper 7-Up, Inc. Lee Baldwin & Company is a proud sponsor of the Syracuse Crunch. For all of your investment needs, check them out at investtoday.com. Lee Baldwin & Company, you do the dreaming, they'll do the math. Yeah, really good, Lucas. I appreciate uh, having some time with you guys to chat about uh, the old days, I guess, now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's great to have you on here. I know it's a busy time of the year. What do you have going on right now? What's uh, what's Well, we know what's keeping you busy, but fill us in on what's going on with you. Yeah, so um, just came into uh, working for the Vancouver Canucks now, obviously. Um, had worked in Utica for four seasons, and then uh, they moved the team out to Abbotsford, which is a... Uh, basically uh, a community just outside of Vancouver. So they just wanted to get the team closer for, for call up and um, things of that nature. So and it's, uh, it's been a good move for the franchise. So the, the fans are good and everything's been great. So yeah, we're right in the men. We're right in the middle of training camp now. So we were up in Penticton at our rookie tournament and then we were at Whistler tough, tough times at Whistler um, being up in that beautiful area for four or five yeah. days of camp. And now we're just heading into our uh, basically our first week, um, in vancouver so 
yeah, everything's going well. It's, uh, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a great journey for me, uh, you know, being involved in the game and, uh, yeah, right now it's uh, nice to be around Vancouver. It's my, uh, I think it's going into my sixth season actually. So, um, it's been a good run. Yeah, time goes so fast, doesn't it? And uh, it, you talk about your couple years in Utica, which we'll get to a little later on, but how much of a change and a, a move was that for, for you and for the organization going from Utica out to Abbotsford? Well, I think, I mean, I mean, I think we love being in Utica. Obviously, I think the fan base and the rivalries and the uh, the nearness of the travel to Syracuse and in those days, obviously, Binghamton and Rochester, it was it was great, but um yeah, I mean, I think I think what happens is they they wanted the uh, the local fan base, the Vancouver Canucks fan base, to sort of get involved and and know more about their farm team and their young prospects that are coming up. So Abbotsford's probably a fifty minute drive from basically downtown Vancouver. So it's it's pretty much the whole Fraser Valley. So um, there's a lot of uh, media coverage. There's a lot of um, interest in the team because of that. And uh, certainly being in the uh, Pacific Division <laughs> has its uh, has its benefits, be it uh, travel to Las Vegas and San Diego and Los Angeles and whatnot. Um, so that's been uh, that's been a bit of an adjustment, though, because um, we have to fly out of Vancouver and do the immigration thing and the security thing, and it's it's not the NHL, it's not charter flights or anything. It's it's basically commercial. So um, and we still do bus once we get to LA, a couple hours here and there. But um, yeah, the weather's uh, the weather's much nicer in uh, this division, certainly for me. And uh, but yeah, it's been a great move. Yeah, we always hear that. You know, the, the travel can be a little tough out in the Pacific, but once you get where you're going, San Diego in the middle of uh, winter is not a not a bad place to be for a you know a weekend or whatever it might be. Out in in Vancouver in Abbotsford now for you guys, uh, it's it's been a couple of years, but you have that familiarity with the organization. You've been there six years. How nice is that? And then going into a new season as a coach how exciting is it at the prospect of another new season a new beginning at, at this time of year yeah you know it's funny I mean I've been doing this for 30 years I guess now going on 32 maybe I'm not sure I'd have to count them up again and um, every year is is exciting for me you know I, I think at the end of the year you're kind of beaten down a little bit you've been through the rigors of the season and the playoffs ideally and um, you know you, you're kind of uh, ready for the rest but by the time September rolls around um, I get really itchy. I mean, it's in my blood. I, you know, I, I should probably retire at some point, but uh, I, I just love the game so much and I love being around the young guys. And as long as I can still, you know, contribute in a way. And I mean, I was very fortunate to have uh, a former player, former Syracuse Crunch and a former coach there, uh, Trent Cull, uh, call me up when he got the head job in Utica and, and um, you know, get me into this great organization. And so, um, he's now since moved on to the NHL. He got the assistance job with Vancouver this year, which was awesome for him and uh, really happy for him, obviously. And then, um, so it's, so the new challenge for me is a, it's a, it's a new young coach, head coach. And, um, yeah, so we start all over again. So every year seems to bring different challenges, but um, I'm, I'm really excited by our prospects this year and, and our staff. Well, I'm glad you brought up Trent. I did want to ask about him at one point here. And like you said, he was a, a player here in Syracuse, a coach here in Syracuse under current head coach Ben Grew. They went to the finals in 2017. Then he got the job in Utica. What made him a, a successful head coach there in the organization? And, and how much did he grow as a head coach over the, you know, the time you spent with him uh, there in Utica and in Abbotsford? Yeah, I mean, it was. I coached him uh, in Syracuse in his final years there, and um, you know, he you can kind of tell that he was sort of leaning towards the coaching uh, business. And I mean, he's paid his dues. He coached in Sudbury in the Ontario League. He's coached in Guelph. He's coached in Syracuse, obviously Utica and Abbotsford. So 
Um, he's just a really, uh, in my opinion, anyway, uh, uh, a learner of the game. He likes to, he likes new things. He's passionate. Uh, he's got some good emotion. He's for me, when he was playing for me, he was a great team builder. He was a guy that I would lean on in our leadership group, um, and, and, uh, do the team building type of things. Cause as you know, at the American league level, you've got guys coming and going all the time, whether it's up or down or in or out and signing PTOs. And you want your team to be all on the same page. And, and he was a guy that could really be the glue to that and uh you know and forge that ahead and i think he's transferred that into his uh coaching career i think he's uh he still knows what the players he still knows what it's like to be a player he still has a great feel for you know what the players want and and then but he's also knows what he wants and he's able to sort of walk that fine line of um of allowing them to be players but certainly um bringing in a lot of team concepts so um yeah he he was uh, he was real fun to work with too both as a player and as a coach yeah a lot of a lot of things to balance there in, in that position there's no doubt about that gary agnew is our guest here on crunch chronicles all right let's uh, let's shift our focus now to uh, your time in syracuse of course you just alluded to uh, a little bit there with with trent but you know six seasons here uh, before we dive into any of the specifics just you know the the, the broad thoughts the general ideas of of your time in syracuse I love my time in Syracuse. I think um, it was my first pro job and, uh, you know, not knowing what I was getting into. I knew the guys in Columbus, Doug McLean and Jimmy Clark and, and that group of uh, guys that were heading up the new franchise in Columbus. So I was fortunate to get in on the ground floor and, um, and move into Syracuse, um, you know, and, and right away, um, Howard Dolgan and Jimmy uh, Cirosi and, and uh, certainly Vance made me feel really comfortable. I mean, they bent over backwards to make it, you know, make it, comfortable for me to get in get into the community and uh by the time the family moved down the kids grew up there basically you know they spent the early parts of their growing years um in Syracuse going to school in Baldensville and yeah I, I love the area certainly um it was a great place to sort of um ply my trade I guess so to speak in in the uh, at the war memorial at um and and to you know sort of get myself ready for the National Hockey League. Uh, you, you talk about Howard, Vance, and Jim, and we'll certainly circle back on those, but those are three guys who are so instrumental. I mean, it's amazing the crunch now going on year number 29, and those three are, are the crucial uh, part of all of that. You talk about it, though. It's your first pro head coaching uh, position. You'd been in the OHL for quite a long time, and you gained all the experience there. Now, what was that first year like then? Uh, you know, it's the first year of a, a new affiliation here in Syracuse with Columbus. Uh, what was that first year like as you, you know, you get your feet wet at the pro level and you've got a lot going on? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. I, I think I had some, uh, my assistant coach in those days was Ross Yates, who eventually took over as head coach when I, when I left. And, um, you know, he had played in the American League for a number of years and had a cup of coffee in the National League. So I, I leaned on him a lot, uh, certainly in those days to, to sort of uh, work our way through. And then again, you know, Jimmy and, uh, and Vance in terms of the travel and, and whatnot throughout the league, trying to get organized. Uh, but yeah, it was it was good. I mean, we had, in those days, Columbus didn't have any draft picks. So it was basically a bunch of guys that were... Um, you know, either waived or let go by other teams that, you know, needed uh, Columbus needed some depth for some call-ups in the National Hockey League when they got uh, injuries. And so we had some guys like Brad Moran and Jeremy Reach, uh, you know, Matthew Darsh, who's still, you know, who's in the Tampa Bay organization, uh, sort of were the guys that were coming in in those days and, um, and helping the team sort of grow and build until, you know, we got some draft prospects coming in, whether it was Pascal LeClaire or Tim Jackman or any of those guys coming into the, to the organization. 
I remember we had Reggie Savage on the uh, the show last year, and and he was a guy who kind of was there to bridge the gap between the affiliations. Uh, Vancouver uh, before Columbus and came in, he was part of the you know Canucks affiliation here, then was along for the Columbus affiliation as well. You know, having a guy like that who had been in the organization before, uh, along with the team again, how much did that help you if it did uh, in that first year? Yeah, no, Reggie, Reggie was certainly a big part of it. He was, uh, I remember meeting with him in the summer and uh, sort of talking about the team and, uh, you know, the, the league and, you know, what his expectations were. Reggie was a veteran in those, obviously in those days, um, kind of in the tail end of his career and had a lot of great input. And, uh, and, and that group of guys that were the, the leadership group on that team that year and Reggie being a big part of it kind of helped me uh, move along we had a guy named michael gall who has also uh, been around the league for a while and um, so those guys yeah they were certainly a part of um, you know the growing pains of a, of a first year pro coach and then um, and figuring things out but reggie was you know reggie was a guy that could put up numbers and um, and was great in the community he talked about that a ton last year about you know just engrossing himself in the community here in Syracuse. So that's year one for you, 2000, 2001. You, you do make the playoffs. Year two, you come back and uh, for the first time ever, the Crunch win a division. Uh, they win the division there in 2001, 2002. What sticks out to you in, in your second year now that you have a year under your belt in, in Syracuse and, and the team was pretty darn good? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, again, we had some, uh, that season, I believe, like David Ling's, might have been David Ling's first year, and I had coached him. He was my captain in Kingston in junior, so it was a familiarity that I had with him, and I knew what he brought to the table. And again, we had some some top shelf leadership guys. I think of Sean Pronger came in and really gave us a balance to our team. And then um, trying to think of the other guys uh, off the top of my head, Chris Nielsen came in. Daryl Scoville was around. We had some really good leadership. Uh, again, a good leadership group. Derek Walzer, I think, led the team in scoring yeah. that year. Was a good player. Um, you know, an offensive defenseman. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a, it was a fun time to be around the team. We had a lot of exciting uh, players that, uh, um, you know, were able to sort of not only, you know, win games, but it was a tough team, too. I think we had four or five guys that had over 100 times, uh, penalty minutes in those days. Jody Shelley was a big fan favorite. Um, you know, again, a guy that's gone on to great things. So yeah, it was it was a fun year, and then you know once we got into the playoffs, uh, you always like to do better. But uh, it was an exciting time for everybody. Yeah, you have a, a guy like JF LeBay in the, in goal too, fifty plus <laughs> games, yeah. and it's so funny when you look back these days at, at how often goalies play. Now it's it's especially in the AHL, you you usually more or less you split your your starters, but you know fifty plus starts. Uh, just having a guy like that back there who was so reliable, how much does that help? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I'm still friends with JF. Actually, we talk uh, two or three times a year. He got into the coaching uh, business as well. He was a goalie coach. Um, I'm not sure if he got anything this year, but he'd been around for quite a bit with um, I think Anaheim or somebody. But yeah, no, I mean JF was such a great goaltender. He'd won a Calder Cup previously. Um, I mean he was he was good to have around. And um, you know you're you're as you say you're balancing. There's a great balance at the American Hockey League level, at least in those days, where you know you wanted to develop players, but you wanted to develop them in a winning, in a winning market. And so you had, you know, Howard who um, you know wanted to win badly, and Columbus who also wanted to win badly, but also wanted to develop players. But when you had a, a guy like uh, J.F. LeBay, um, it was hard not to play him every night, and he wanted to play every night if he could. So 
Um, and he was capable of it. I mean, his numbers indicate that. Um, so yeah, it was, um, it was, he was, he, and he was, he was a good, uh, mentor for, you know, we had a young guy at a Niagara university, Greg Gardner. He was a good mentor for Greg, I think. And, you know, um, it just worked out well for sure. Yeah. Just a great year for him and, uh, and a good year for the organization. First division title, like we, uh, you say, you thought maybe, uh, uh you could have had a, a, a longer playoff run. You end up losing to Chicago in, in the second round. Chicago went on to win the Calder cup. That was a pretty exciting series though. What do you remember from, you know, that playoff, uh, year and, and, uh, that series with the Wolves? Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, that series against Chicago, uh, was a great series. I mean, uh, you know, we won the first two at home, as I recall, thought we were in a really good spot. We we're going two, three, two. So we we're going to Chicago for three and felt that all we had to do is win one and then bring it back home. And, um, of course they had a great team. I mean, they had some, some really good players on that team in those days and, uh, they weren't going to let us get away with very much. So they won the next three, uh, we, we brought it back home, pounded them, I think. I'm, I'm not sure we pounded them, but we beat them in game six. And, you know, we thought we were in a really good spot to win game seven. And uh, we just, uh, you know, we just had a flat, we had a flat game. We didn't get off very well. And um, it was unfortunate because, um, you know, we were, we were very, uh, we had a good club. And as you said, they went on to win the, uh, the cup that year. And um, again, had we got by them, which, you know, ifs and buts, but um, it would have been a nice run, I think, if we'd have been able to, to take them. But we needed to win the game in Chicago. I mean, that was on us for sure. Yeah, one of those series where the home team wins the first six and hoping you can get it done in game seven. But uh, the Wolves did come out on top in that one. And like we said, went on to win the cup. That was year number two. Jumping around a bit, you know, you look at your the, the last year that you were here in Syracuse as a head coach, 05-06, another great team, 47 wins which is tied now for the franchise record. The Crunch just hit that mark again a couple of years ago. Uh, but you know, that, that team, again, in uh, 05, 06, so good. Don't win the division because it was a really tough division. But, you know, when you think back at your last year then in Syracuse and how good that team was, what do you think of? Well, again, we had some uh, some interesting some interesting players. Uh, Andy Delmore was a great player. I think he won the defenseman of the year that mm-hmm. year, perhaps, or maybe it was the year before. But, um yeah, I mean, it was it was some some good kids came in there. Joaquin Lindstrom, who was in a uh, draft pick, Alexander Picard, who was a draft pick. We started getting some of the, the younger guys in there, and and for me, um, again, I, I always go back to the leadership group, and it's a bit uh, redundant probably, but you know, we had a guy like Jamie Pusher who was really uh, you know a rock guy for us. Like he was he was he was able to sort of bring everybody together and make sure that we were going in the right direction. And um, as a coach. Uh, when you've got a guy like Jamie Pusher and 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 uh, those types of guys in your locker room, it just helps. It helps your it helps your team. And and we did still have some fan favorites. I think Brandon <clears throat> Brandon Sugden was probably still on that team in those days. And um, he was you know and he needed some toughness. Uh, we were going into Binghamton and lots of nights in Rochester where uh, it was a grind, and you needed to make sure that you didn't back down. So we had some we had a real good mix of. Young kids, you know, Aaron Johnson, who I think is with Columbus now in the in the management department. Um, some young kids, some good prospects. Mark Mathod, who went on to play a lot of lot in the National mm-hmm. Hockey League in those days. Um, yeah, it was it was a good group. Yeah, and you mentioned Jamie Pusher, another guy you, you talked about, Matthew Darsh earlier. Jamie Pusher, of course, still in the uh, in the family here in Syracuse in the Lightning organization as well. It just, I guess, expand on him a little bit, you know, as a player and as a person, and and how he has continued to stay in the game, uh, you know, in his role now. Uh, real fun guy. Like, I mean, when he, even as a player, I mean, uh, he used to make me laugh all the time. Like he, he, he was the guy that would do a few prank jokes on the bus or, you know, at the airport. And then, um, 
but you could had a really good feel uh, for the game. I mean, I remember we were in a playoff series against Manitoba and something happened where they jumped Mark Hardy and our top guy or something happened. Anyways, it was a, wasn't a, it wasn't a good uh, wasn't a good hit or a good what whatever happened and Jamie came over to the bench during the timeout and said you know coach I I can't let them get away with that and I just looked at him and smiled I didn't know what he was planning but next thing I know it's uh you know it's chaos on the ice and uh, he just knew how to knew momentum of games and knew what he needed to be done whether the guys needed time off or whether they needed to practice harder. Uh, just a real good uh, guy that I could talk to and, and help me, uh, you know, with the team. Former Crunch head coach Gary Agnew was our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. Uh, let's uh, you talked about Howard and Vance already. Let's dive into uh, into that and and those guys. Uh, Howard <laughs> Dolgan, who's been you know, as we said, the the key part of this since day one back in 1994. As a coach, what's it like from your perspective uh, working with Howard? And, and, you know, as we all know, he wants to win more than just about anyone here. What was Howard like then, and, and why has he been so successful? Uh, yeah, no, Howard, uh, I mean, Howard was uh, wanted to bring hockey, wanted to bring hockey into the Syracuse area and did it, and he did it, obviously, and brought in a great staff. And um, in those days, we were uh, just getting to know each other. So I remember he used to fly in, uh, I think, on Wednesdays or Thursdays. We'd go for dinner. And uh, sort of talk about the team a little bit, and um, that that friendship has fostered. Uh, we're really good friends. Uh, I had lunch with them this summer in Tampa. I, ha- I happen to live in the Florida area now in the off season, and um, I would say we connect once once a month, once every six weeks, just to keep up with each other. So it, those relationships that I had in uh, in Syracuse. Um, I've not stopped. Whether it's Jimmy talking to Jimmy or Vance, or I mean Anthony Lamarck, he was a great friend. Uh, to me in those days was, um, you know, with the car dealership. And then, of course, I uh, just became really good friends with him as well. So, um, you know, we, we had a lot of good friends. And, and of course, when you have your family there, you meet uh, lots of good folks, too, because you're doing the school thing. So it was all it was it was really good. Uh, they, they, they treated me well and um, uh, and they become great friends over the years. So. Yeah, that's what we always hear. And and you talk about Vance, uh, a character then I'm sure is still a character now. But what was he like uh, to deal with uh, from your perspective? <laughs> I don't know what I'm not sure what to say about Vance. No. <laughs> Fair I enough. do know I do know that he is extremely loyal. Um, I do know that his heart is in the right spot all the time, and uh, and he was a lot of fun to be around. And you know when you're in the when you're in the the stressful situation. Uh, like pro sports where you're trying to win hockey games and develop players and you've got uh, media and uh, the parent club and everyone sort of pulling you in different directions. It, uh, he was, uh, he was a really good guy on a daily basis uh, around the office uh, to bounce things off of. So I always appreciated uh, what Vance did and how his demeanor uh, you know, help me uh, develop as a coach. Well, that's one thing that, you know, Jim was talking about when we were getting ready for this today. You know, the, the synergy between the quote-unquote upstairs-downstairs here in Syracuse, the, you know, the hockey ops and the, the hockey folks downstairs, the uh, the business side, the front office upstairs, and, you know, maybe in the Vancouver days there wasn't as much symmetry, but you came in and were a big part, according to Jim, and kind of forge that symmetry a bit and, and get everyone more on the same page and and create that culture where it's not upstairs downstairs it's just the crunch yeah well in my opinion i think uh again when you're when you're in the when you're in the the uh battle area and you're trying to win hockey games and you're trying to get travel together and different you know team building 
avenues, you want to try to build it as a family, be it, you know, it's two different ownership groups. Obviously you've got the NHL team that's there, but you've got the, the group upstairs that are, that are trying to, you know, make things work in Syracuse and get the fans in and fans are a big part of it. I mean, players love to play in front of big crowds and community relations are critical in my opinion at that level. Well, all levels really. And so, yeah. And I had worked in junior long enough that uh, I, I thought I had a pretty good handle on, what needed to be done and, and how to do it within, within a, a community. So, and they made it so easy, as I say, they're, they're such good guys. I mean, they were never, you know, they were never pushing too hard. They would push as hard as they needed to until it was, couldn't go any further, but yeah, no, they were fun to be around and I wanted them involved as much as possible. Um, you know, in some of the decision-making that we were trying to do and, and, but also, you know, they, they allowed us to be involved in the decision-making that they needed to do. So, uh, it worked out well, and Jimmy of Sorosio, of course, had a great handle on on everything of, of how to run it professionally and as advanced, so it was good. Yeah, and, and you mentioned the community and community relations, and one of the first things when bring up your name, it's he was a community guy. Why is that community relations so important, you know, not only for a hockey team, but for you to, to get ingrained in the community, whether you're living here, whether you're doing something in the community, why was that so important to you? For a lot of reasons, I guess. For me, uh, the biggest one is, you know, as coaches and managers and players, we pop into a city in September and then we leave when the season is over. And then we get fired or we move on or the player gets traded or he gets cut. And then, but the, the, the team itself and the community itself remains. And they're the core of the, of the organization. And I think it's critical to be able to understand what, the community is doing and what they're involved with and who's who's doing what and getting involved with them to help that grow the game in the area and continue to be um you know a big part of it um even after you've gone some kind of a legacy so that you know the thing continues to grow and and get better and i like to think that um, obviously it has i mean what an organization there now with tampa doing such a great job and um, you know, Jim and, and Vance and Howard, you know, the, and the, even, you know, the county itself, money in the building and the facilities. And, um, you know, I think they've just done a great job. But anyway, back to your question about the community. I just I just think it's important to to be involved in it and to help out any way you can be at charitable events or um, just going to a hockey game or even running a, a, a practice for a minor hockey team. I think all that stuff is important. Yeah, and it is, as we've already mentioned, you know, it's added up to 29 years now of, of the crunch in this community, and it's been a, a heck of a run so far and hopefully many more years to go. You talk about the county and putting money into this building, and, and there's more projects and more renovations going on to the team area this summer. But, you know, you, you were here, as you said, in the early 2000s. You've come back as a, a visiting coach now with Utica for, you know, a handful of years or four years with the Comets. What was your impression of the building from then to what you just saw a couple of years ago after the, the big you know, wave of renovations and what it looks like these days? Well, I can tell you this. I can tell you the visitor's room hasn't changed a lick. <laughs> and it's, it might be the worst in the league. <laughs> the coach's office, is, oh, yeah, it's awful over there. Anyways, I, I know they've done uh, – but, yeah, as far as downstairs and the home team goes, uh, it, it's beautiful. The, whole, the, the rink itself with the renovations – above the net and the private boxes. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's first class for sure. We just need to somehow get Howard and those guys to put up just a, a, maybe, maybe even a couch over on the other side, like just to at least make the visitors feel a little bit comfortable, but yeah, it's um, the building itself. It's such a fun building, old time hockey, 
the gloss moves, the, the the loudness of the crowd, and the whole thing. It's it's just a fun place to play. It's the classic home ice advantage, though, in that uh, that visiting <laughs> locker room. Although they're putting in uh, new rubber or something this year, so uh, making progress uh, in that department. Uh, Gary, what are you what are you most proud of of your six years that you spent in Syracuse? Friendships, man, for sure. My friendships doesn't matter if it's uh, neighbors in uh, in Radisson up in Baldwinsville that I still talk to, or. Um, you know, the guys uh, in the front office there or Lamaki or any of those guys, the friendships that we uh, built there that were long lasting, um, I loved. Um, I still like the fact that, um, you know, the teams that we had there were competitive every year. We competed. We might not have made the playoffs some years, but we competed every night. They're a hardworking group. Uh, typically, I still get uh, people talking to me about some Wilkes-Barre game that happened in St. Patrick's Day, a few a number of Years ago, and I just think that we were a competitive group, and that's what we wanted to have. And, um, you know, I was proud of that. Um, so, and I'm also proud to call Syracuse uh, a place that, uh, you know, was very important to my family, uh, certainly the kids uh, growing up there, and um, it, was, it, was a, it was a good time. Yeah, six years, four playoff appearances, 220 wins, which had held up as the Crunch's franchise record until just the end of this past season. Uh, ben Grew, uh, now a 221, just past you at the end of the year. Uh, I guess before we let you run, we'll ask about Ben real quick. You coached on the other side for a couple of years, as we mentioned, in Utica. What What's the challenge of going up against a, a guy like Ben, and why has he been such a uh, successful coach here in Syracuse? Well, I think, uh, I don't know Ben that well, but obviously Trent worked for him and watching him uh, run his team. I think uh, certainly what comes to mind to me is accountability of the players. I think that, um, I think Ben looks like he knows what he wants from his players. I think they know what he wants. um, And I think he makes them accountable for what they do. And um, I mean, you look at that, uh, that road that goes up to Tampa and the number of players that come through Syracuse that are, Stanley Cup champions now and have gone on to Tampa to, to have impacts in the National Hockey League and elsewhere. Um, obviously, the, um, you know, the formula that he's using uh, there with his staff and, and, uh, and everybody involved is, has been successful. So, um, you know, his teams play hard. I would say that, you know, when you go against the Syracuse club now, we like to think the same when we're in Utica, that it was going to be, uh, you know, it was going to be, it wasn't going to be an easy night. There were no easy nights. Every night was going to be a hard, hard battle and you know you're in a game and then finally i know you just had a, a good answer uh, you know on what you were most proud of but any final closing thoughts on on your time spent with the crunch uh well it was, it was for me it was critical in my development as a coach i think the american hockey league at least for me in those days it was a place to experiment we um we did a bunch of different things on the ice tried some crazy face-off plays did di- different four check systems and um, you know, certainly brought in different types of characters to play the game. And so um, it was critical in my development um, and allowed me to continue in pro hockey for the last 25 years. And um, yeah, I would say that it was it was critical for my development, certainly. Well, that is the goal of the American Hockey League, as you've said, and as we all have uh, come to find out over the years. Well, Gary Agnew, we appreciate the time here today. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, uh, congrats on, uh, well, your six years here in Syracuse, of course. Uh, good luck as the seasons get underway. Good luck there in Abbotsford and uh, continued success for you. Yeah, well, maybe we'll have an Abbotsford-Syracuse series at some point. I'd be excited. Hey, that would be great. The travel might not be so fun, but that would be a, that would be a fun series. Uh, maybe a little bit of the old rivalry between Syracuse and Utica with some of the same players. But, yeah, we, we, we're looking forward to that one day. Yeah, all right. Great talking to you. Thanks very much.
There he is, Gary Agnew. We thank him for giving us the time and wish him and the Abbotsford Canucks well this season. Boy, for everything we've heard and in just that conversation, you can tell just how genuinely nice Gary is and was during his six-year stint as head coach. You can tell he has a very strong connection with the Syracuse community. If you have any Gary Agnew stories, boy, we'd love to hear them and share them on an upcoming episode of the show. You can send in a voice memo to the show via email at elfavali at syracusecrunch.com. That'll do it for this week's episode of Crunch Chronicles. Thanks again to Gary Agnew for joining us here this week. For all of us with the Syracuse Crunch, I'm Lucas Favale saying so long for now. We'll chat again next week on another episode of Crunch Chronicles. Crunch Chronicles.